Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. Yeah, so Vision, before we get started here, I just wanted to introduce a bit about what uh, Vision for Israel does. Vision for Israel is um, a nonprofit organization with the core mission of seeing the spiritual and physical restoration of Israel come as the coming of Messiah comes closer to us as we near that time. Um, and the organization was launched in 1994, right after the first Intifada. You might have heard of that time where there were many attacks in Israel and a lot of families lost uh, loved ones, uh, dear, dear family members. And my parents, uh, Barry and Batya, as, as you might know them, and uh, they've been here before, I know. Uh, they, they felt really a calling on their life to go and comfort those people who lost their dearest ones during that time. Uh, so that's how Vision for Israel really started off, really kind of like an organic thing that, that sprouted, that really the Holy Spirit inspired in their hearts. Um, and they just went from house to house to visit these uh, families and comfort them and give them gifts. Uh, and many people just from around the nations got caught wind of this and started to support them, just to send gifts, to, to, uh, to send containers, to send uh, donations uh, to, to support these families. Uh, so, so Vision for Israel has been out, has been uh, up and running for 25 years. This year is actually the 25th anniversary of the organization. And God's been doing incredible stuff through the ministry. Um, up, to, up to today, the ministry has touched almost a one million Jewish and Arab and Christian uh, people in the land of Israel and also outside of Israel, by the way. So, <laughs> hallelujah. Thank you. It's, it's really only by the grace of God and, and just miracles that have happened throughout the years. So we're so excited to celebrate that this year. And we wanted to show you a short video of uh, what the organization does. One of the projects that we do with the Holocaust survivors in Israel, uh, which it's sad to say, but many of them live under the poverty line and don't get enough support to really sustain their lives. So the ministry helped, one of the projects is helping those Holocaust survivors uh, meet their daily needs um, as they get older. Um, so we're gonna show a short video and I just wanna invite you uh, at the end of the service, if you wanna sign up, stay connected, uh, become prayer partners because we need your prayers in Israel. It's not only the, the, the giving and the financial support, but we really need prayer partners and we need uh, uh, prayer warriors out there to, to just support the work and just really pray for the protection of our team there and, and really for God to shine a light through our team. Uh, so you can sign up in the back. Alistair will uh, prepare a, a paper. Or you could go to visionforisrael.com and just put your email down on the footer. There's a, a newsletter sign up. Uh, so yeah, we'll show the video. Really quick. אבא שלי, בגלל שהוא היה מוכר בעיר, ולא מצאו את אבא שלי, אז הלכו אצל יהודי אחר, והיה לו בן אחד, אז לקחו את הבן שלו ותלו אותו. אני הייתי לארץ ב-77. אמרו לי, אבא, 
תלכו מהר למרוקו, אין נאצים שם. היינו במרוקו, לקחו לנו שתי בנים, אחד עשרים ואחד, הרגו אותו, והשני חזר בלי עיניים. בן אדם שעובר בקושי, הוא תמיד גם יודע להתמודד ממנו יותר טוב ממי שלא יודע. זה דרך החיים. מוכרחים ללמוד כל דבר. וכשבאנו בארץ, קיבלו אותנו עם לחם לבן וריבה. זה היה כאילו העוגה הכי טובה. No one can erase the memory of the Holocaust. But together we can help its survivors live in comfort and dignity. It is our goal to provide financial aid, warmth and fellowship to Israel's Holocaust survivors. I have a radiator in my house, and בגלל שכשאין לי מה לעשות, אני משחקת בברית שמה והכל במחשב. אני רוצה לנהנות ממה שיש לי, ומה שאני יודעת. מה שאני לא יודעת, שידעו הצעירים. אני עכשיו קיבלתי רדיאטור ושמיכה. תודה רבה. ממש תודה. זה גם עזרה טובה. Let us show these dear men and women how much you love them by joining us in our mission to provide Israel's last Holocaust survivors with the security, support and warmth that they so desperately need. Thank you. So... I thought this was appropriate to show uh, when we're during this Passover season, because this is really one of the uh, huge prophecies that has been coming to life in the last hundred years, uh, the, from the ashes uh, coming to the homeland of Israel. It's just an incredible thing that has uh, been happening, and we're really honored to be able to support these uh, dear uh, Holocaust survivors. So that's just one of the many projects. Yeah. So, uh, so excited to be here uh, with you and very happy. Thank you, Clive, for, for opening your home like this uh, to, to us, to our family. Um, we had a, an exciting time last night during Passover. And I just remember as a, as a young Israeli growing up celebrating Passover, it was probably one of my least favorite holidays. <laughs> Seriously, one of the least favorite feasts, as I didn't get to eat pizza for a whole week, <laughs> okay? Can you imagine not, uh, not being able to eat pizza for, for one whole week? So <laughs> it also took forever until we could eat the holiday feast, because as, as you know, yesterday was a very, very short version, but uh, in the traditional Passover, can, can, uh, you can wait till 12 until you eat, <laughs> basically. So it was, it was really uh, a feast of suffering <laughs> for me as a little boy. And I was always hungry. And that became kind of the family joke. My mom's joke would always, she would always say um, that, you know, my stomach is like a bottomless pit. 
<laughs> and that I was always hungry. And now it's my wife's joke, actually. <laughs> it passed on to my wife. <laughs> you, it's amazing how much you can eat. You're always hungry. <laughs> Anyways, um, so as I grew older, P Passover really became, uh, it's, it's interesting. It, it really evolved to probably one of the most meaningful uh, feasts and holidays in, in my life. Um, and just a few years ago, the Lord really started to reveal more of his heart in his feasts, uh, in his appointed times in his divine calendar uh, to me as I was just sharing in different events and feasts that we were, uh, we were hosting. Um, and I believe that it's not a coincidence that God chose to start, as many of you might, uh, might have learned last night, to start the divine calendar during Passover. It's interesting that this, the Passover in the Bible, in Exodus, that is when the Lord starts his year. That's when, when it's written. So we've learned last night that we, we have been, uh, we could be wishing each other now Happy New Year, actually technically about 21 days ago. Um, so why is this feast so significant and relevant, relevant for us today? Why is it such a relevant thing? You know, you might think, we might think, hey, you know, this is just an old uh, feast from the past you know, celebrating the, the, this really cool story of the Israelites coming out of Egypt. You know, it's something that we learned in our Sunday schools. But why is it relevant to us today? What's the, what's the meaning? And that's something I was asking growing up as a, as a child. What is really the meaning? I mean, we do all these traditions, but for what? Because I believe that when we look at Exodus, we not only see God's faithfulness to us in the past, we also understand how God is faithful to us in the present, in our personal lives today, and how he is going to bring salvation to our communities and to the whole world in the future. So I would like to open up with the following passage, and you can, you're welcome to open your Bibles um, in Exodus 14. So we're going to read Exodus 14, 10. Verse 10 to 12. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So try to imagine yourselves in this situation. Okay, you're marching with the, with the Israelites. You're marching with your family. Um, leaving Egypt. You and your family are fleeing from Egypt after being there uh, for hundreds of years. You're in a group of approximately 2.4 million Israelites. Okay, about, that's, that's approximately what they figured out between 2.4 and 3 million. That's like a modest, modest count. And finally, after more than 400 years in slavery, you, you're free by God's mighty hand, and suddenly you reach the Red Sea, you reach a sea, and behind you, you look back, and behind you is a mighty, cruel army of Egyptians. One of the worst regimes 
back then, if not the worst. So what do you think of the Israelites' reaction to this situation? What do you think, what would you, how would you react when you see a crazy, cruel army behind you with uh, chariots and, you know, this crazy scene? How would you feel? So the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. Feared greatly. I think that's, <laughs> that's a very soft way to put it. <laughs> I mean, they're about to die, basically them and their whole lives and they just left everything and yes they were slaves they were slaves but you know they knew what to expect the next day they did have some food you know they they were you know God multiplied them in Egypt they were fruitful but yeah but now they're gonna die so what was this all for so how many of us can relate to this feeling this fear in our hearts how many I know that I can <laughs> I can relate to this fear. How often do we react like this when trouble and evil comes our way? How many of us react, we're, we're frightened when something happens? When we feel we are right with God and suddenly, bam, we're hit with something. We lose someone, someone. a disease or a sickness hits us. We lose our job. When we were just saved and everything seems to go so well and suddenly we get rejected or persecuted. How often do we suddenly react in, in fear and like, what is this all about? Wait, I just gave my life to the Lord and what now I, I have this, uh, I just, uh, I have this sickness or, you know, my relative died. I know that my nature personally is to get angry with God and to try to fight the battle myself. That's, that's just my natural instinct, is I get, like, I get frustrated with God, like, what, how could you do this uh, to me? And, you know, all this, like, self-centeredness kind of feeling. How, you know, what is this all about? I, you know, I gave my life, and, and now this happens, and it's difficult. So it actually reminds me of this time before I was, uh, when I was actually just saved, God really started, uh, he started to remove all sorts of bad relationships and habits from my life. And I felt like I was finally ready to find my second half. <laughs> finally ready, oh, I'm ready maybe to, you know, find my future wife. Uh, you know, God, please, uh, you know, it's, 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 I think it's time. <laughs> Seeing all these happy married couples, you know, I was very just saved and young. So actually, uh, this funny story, this girl approached me that I knew from my past. Suddenly she approached and uh, she was at our congregation. And she told me that the Lord has revealed to her that I was the one that she needs to marry. So I was like, okay, sounds good. Let's, let's go out on a few dates and, and get to know each other a bit. You know, let's grab, grab some tea. <laughs> um, and during that time, I remember reading this uh, book, God is a Matchmaker by Derek Prince. Have you heard of Derek Prince? Yeah. So I, I read this book, God is a Matchmaker. It's a great book. A lot of his other books are also incredible and really touched my life. Um, and the book really brought me to tears and helped me to give this area in my life back to God. It was a difficult thing to give back is the part of relationships. Many times we can give, you know, we can give certain things, you know, maybe... 
you know, we, we listen to music with some, you know, bad, uh, bad stuff in it and stuff. And that's kind of easy maybe to give. But then the relationship part, a lot of times that's a difficult place to, for some reason, to release because it's really, you know, it's really personal. It's really deep. And I really, I really gave that back to God. So long story short, I was praying to God and asking him that if this relationship is not his will, then please shut this door. And right after I asked this from God, this girl contacted me and said that she needs to talk to me about something. I was like, okay, <laughs> I know where this is going. And, and I guess, and guess what she told me? Yeah, she told, she told me she had a, a feeling that it w- wouldn't be such a good idea to continue to see each other. And she just suddenly had this feeling. So when that happened, I was, I was actually really frustrated at the time. I was frustrated with God and completely lost hope and trust in my own discernment. I was like, it brought me to a place where I really didn't trust my, my own discernment, uh, which is a good thing. Actually, I think it's a really good place to be. But also, there were things that I was, uh, that God was pruning <laughs> in my life and uh, some frustrations that I had to let go of. And I think that many times this is our natural tendency. We tend to get frustrated at God when things don't go the way we plan or we expect. How many of us have been in this place in our lives where we are in fear and desperation? How many? Yeah. Thank all of us, if, uh, <laughs> unless we're robots. <laughs> that a sickness, a disease, maybe fear of death, maybe fear of not finding the right partner. Maybe even fear of not being able to put food on the table. This is the feeling that the Israelites felt when they looked back at the Egyptians. So I can't blame them. This is the fear. They had a fear of death at that moment. A fear of losing everything that they ever had. But where were the Israelites running from? I have, this, I have a question. Where were the Israelites running from? Where and who? From Pharaoh, from the Egyptians. They were departing from Egypt. But did Egypt depart from them? Did you ever think about it that way? Did Egypt depart from them? They were departing from Egypt. But did Egypt depart from them? You see, Egypt is not only some physical place in the past. Egypt exists in our sinful nature today. The Israelites were crying out saying, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So a part of the people still was connected to Egypt, you see. A part of their inner being was connected to the spirit of Egypt. Even though God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, they still had far to go until being ready to enter the promised land. Is it because God wanted to make it difficult for the Israelites? Did he just want to play games, make it kind of difficult? I don't think so. Even though our Father delivered each and every one of us from darkness and evil to light, He is continuously chipping off pieces of imperfection like a master artist or a gardener removing the dead leaves. You see? 
He is continuously pruning us. He's continuously cutting the leaves off, the dead branches, because he wants us to be perfect. He made us perfect. And we can open our Bibles and John 15, John 15, 1 to 2. John 15, 1, 2 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does, does bear fruit, he prunes that it may be, bear more fruit. And why? Why does he do that? We can look at Hebrews 12, 5. Hebrews 12, 5 to 7. And this is one answer to the why. Why he, he chops and chips bits out of our life that need chipping. It is for discipline. So Hebrews 12, 5 says, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and, ch and chastises every son whom he receives. So it's interesting that many prisoners, I don't know if you, you know any prisoners in your life or you've met prisoners or you've just saw some movies about it, but it's interesting that many prisoners that have been set free after many years in prison suddenly have so much freedom that they have the tendency to get back into their old habits and find themselves back in prison again. It's kind of this cycle. So sin has that same effect on us. When we suddenly are free, we have that same tendency to want to return to our old self because we have this fake sense of comfort based on the lies that the, the devil plants in our lives. It's, it's comforting. We feel safe and less vulnerable behind, behind bars. That's exactly where the devil wants us to be. He wants us behind bars. So he, he wins in that situation. He wants us to build walls that separate us from Jesus. The blocks of these walls are shame, our fear, our unforgiveness, our bitterness. All these things are the, the, the blocks that build this wall that, we are, that, that the devil wants us to be behind. When we feel ashamed, when we keep things inside, when we don't share it with our community, with our church, that's, that's bad. That's a block. That's something that's building a wall behind me and, and God, me and the Father. When I have fear... Of, of something and I don't share it with my friend and I don't share it with God and tell him, you know, God, Jesus, I'm afraid. Honestly, I'm afraid. What do I do? Like Jesus did. Jesus shared his fear with the Father. Unforgiveness, bitterness. So the story of the Exodus also gives us a closer look at the character of our Father in heaven. Isn't it great news 
that we serve a God who delivers the weakest people, the weakest people, from slavery to one of the, of the worst regimes in history and makes them his own and sets them free. Isn't that amazing that we serve a God like that? That we serve a God that, that, that stretches his arm out to the weakest, to the lowest people. The Israelites were weak. They were slaves. They were whipped. And he sets them free. We can't... We, the, in the lowest place of our lives, God will stretch out his arm to us. We just have to ask to cry out and to just let him, let him just take hold of his arm that he's stretching. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we serve a God that, that meets us in the weakest, at the weakest point in our lives and stretches his arm out to us just like he did to the Israelites. We serve a God that leads us and fights our battles for us. We serve a God that splits the sea, that separates us from him into two so we can live in relationship with him by sacrificing his son, paying the price for our sins. That's the God we serve. Amen. So let's read this next part, this passage, Exodus 14. This is the next part of the Exodus that we read before. Exodus 14, 13 to 18. Exodus 14, 13 to 18. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. So what do you think of God's instructions to Moses? Wow, amen. Like, whew. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, these instructions. So go forward. Okay, go forward. Lift up your staff. Do we have a staff here? <laughs> Don't. I forgot my staff at home. <laughs> Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Isn't that interesting? He didn't say, he didn't tell Moses, um, yeah, don't worry, set a second, I'll just open the sea for you, and you know, then you'll go through. He, didn't, he said, go forward, take action. Go forward, lift your staff, and stretch your hand over the sea, and divide it, and divide it. Interesting. So when I was reading these scriptures, I was asking myself, my, why, Father, did you need Moses to lift his staff and stretch out his hand? Like, couldn't you just, bam, like, pew, 
<laughs> and break the sea, like make it, you know, why did you need Moses to stretch his hand? Couldn't you just divide the Red Sea without him, you know, without doing this whole ceremony? And I realized that God wants to work in partnership with us. He wants us to be part of executing his plan on this earth. Our father is looking for the relationship with us. He's not looking to do it all on his own, but rather in partnership through faith and trust in him. You see, Moses trusted the Lord that when he goes forward, lifts up his staff and stretches his hand, the sea will divide. And it did. Not because of Moses' strength, but because of the power of the living God through faith and trust. What was also interesting to me was the staff. What does the staff of Moses represent? What is a staff? A staff is something we use to help us walk, right? It's something that, it's something, a staff is also an, an indicator of a certain weakness or disability. It's something that is, shows of a weakness in a way. So I felt the Lord really speaking to me. La- last week, I was just in the car driving, driving up to the Tiberias area and really speaking to me about how when we lift up our disabilities and give him our weaknesses, So we raise up our staff with our arms lifted high. We allow him to work powerfully through us. In our weakness, he is made strong. Amen? Amen. So when Moses lifted up his staff in faith and trust, God moved and split the sea and the Israelites crossed. In the weakness, in, the, in Moses' weakness of lifting up, you know, if you've ever seen somebody disabled trying to get up from his chair and just lifting for a moment the staff, or it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard for that person to do that. It's really difficult. But he did that. He, he, he stepped forward in faith, in his weakness, in the hardship, and God worked there. When it's the most difficult when we're in the deepest, most difficult moments of our life, we raise that weakness up to him and he works. He works miracles. Amen. So when Jesus, when Jesus was on the cross with his arms wide open in complete faith and trust in the Father, the veil of the temple tore, making it possible for us to come into relationship with God. We've talked about a few aspects of how the Exodus is relevant to us on a personal level. I'm just giving you a little of, of how, how deep the Exodus is, how much we can learn. And we could talk about this. There's so many different aspects to this, but we have to continue. So how it's relevant to our personal salvation is much like the Israelites' journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. But how can we, how can the story of the Exodus help us understand the future? Help us understand where, where we're going to. So let's open our Bibles at Isaiah eleven eleven. Isaiah eleven eleven to sixteen. It says, in that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time 
to recover the remnant that remains of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathos, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamat, and from the coastlands of the sea. He will raise a signal for the nations and he will assemble the banished of Israel. He will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The jealousy of Ephraim shall depart, and those who harass Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not be jealous of Judah, and Judah shall not harass Ephraim. But they shall swoop down on the shoulder of the Philistines in the west, and together they shall plunder the people of the east. They shall put out their hand against Edom and Moab, and the Amorites shall obey them. And the Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of the sea of Egypt and will wave his hand over the river with his scorching breath and strike it into seven channels. And he will lead people across in sandals and there will be a highway from Assyria for the remnant that remains of his people as there was for Israel when they came up from the land of Egypt." Does this sound familiar to anyone? It sounds familiar to me. <laughs> but do you realize that one of the greatest prophecies foretold in Bible, in the Bible, is unfolding right in front of our eyes today? From the ashes of the Holocaust to the Jewish people coming back to the Promised Land from all four corners of the earth and the birth of Israel as a modern nation in 1948... This is something that the prophets have written more than 2,000 years ago. And the Jewish people have been dreaming of since the destruction of the second temple by the Roman Empire. 2,000 years. 2,000 years, nothing, just dispersed everywhere in the world. And suddenly, this happens in this last century. God is gathering his people to the promised land just as it has been written, the remnant that remains of his people. And this is happening and will continue to happen as we near the return of our Messiah. We can clearly see the second exodus happening today. We're living in really exciting times. <laughs> we can actually see one of the biggest prophecies happening today. So the greatest exodus has actually started in the last century. You see, Passover is not only a way for God to remind us of the past, it is also a way for God to show us how he is going to bring salvation to the whole world in the future. This is why it's relevant for you to know this. Now let us look at the beginning of the chapter where it says in Isaiah 11, 1. Isaiah 11, 1 to 5. This is the beginning of the chapter. It says, There shall come forth, and many of you might know this scripture, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. 
But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Who is this passage talking about? Yeshua, Yeshua Jesus. Exactly. This is talking about Jesus. So we see that the coming of Messiah, Jesus, is connected hand in hand to the second and final exodus. It's in the same chapter. It's right there. It's, we're nearing this time. And if we look at Zechariah 10, verse 6 to 12, you can open your Bibles, Zechariah 10, 6 to 12. Zechariah 10, 6, 12. I will strengthen the house of Judah and I will save the house of Joseph. I will bring them back because I have compassion on them and they shall be as though I had not rejected them for I am the Lord their God and I will answer them. Then Ephraim shall become like a mighty warrior, and their hearts shall be glad as with wine. Their children shall, be, shall see it and be glad. Their hearts shall rejoice in the Lord. I will whistle for them and gather them in, for I have redeemed them, and they shall be as many as they were before. Though I scattered them among the nations, yet in far countries they shall remember me, and with their children they shall live and return. I will bring them home from the land of Egypt. Again, I will bring them home from the land of Egypt and gather them from Assyria, and I will bring them to the land of Gilead and the Lebanon, and to Lebanon, till there is no room for them. He shall pass through the sea of troubles and strike down the waves of the sea, and all the depths of the Nile shall be dried up. The pride of Assyria shall be laid low and the scepter of Egypt shall depart. I will make them strong in the Lord, and they shall walk in his name, declares the Lord. Amen? Yes. Amen. We can see clearly how God scattered the people of Israel among the nations because of rejecting Jesus, the Messiah, his son. But God will bring his people back, not because the Jewish people deserve it, not because we deserve it, only because of his compassion and grace only because of compassion and grace and because of the promises he gave to our fathers. And let's look at Jeremiah 16, 14, 15. Jeremiah 16, 14 says, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it shall no longer be said, as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives, who brought up the people of Israel out of the north country and out of all countries where he had driven them. For I will bring them back to their own land that I gave to their fathers. Amen. Not any land. I, there was a, before pre-1948, there was a talk about somewhere in Africa. Not any land but the land of Israel, the land of our forefathers. 
Not surprising that we see so much spiritual opposition and lies that are being spread through, through the media today about Israel, about the right of the Jewish people, uh, and all this, all this stuff. I mean, the, the, you know, the devil hates this, that this is happening. This is, this is happening, and he's furious. So we have a lot of spiritual opposition. I say when you see the spiritual opposition, you know that you're doing something right, <laughs> usually. <laughs> so as we can see, the Exodus doesn't only remind us of how the Lord brought us out of Egypt, it also shows us a pattern of how God is going to work in the last days. So in Matthew 24, verse 36 Matthew 24, verse 36 to 44. It is written. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as, we, as were the days of Noah, as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Who is the Son of Man? Jesus. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was, the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Amen. Do you see the connection to the Exodus? Do you see how it's connected? We don't want to find ourselves like the Egyptians swept away in the sea running after our earthly desires. Running after a new car, a new this. I'm so busy. I, need to, I don't have time for anything. Running, running after our earthly desires. And boom, just swept away in the ocean. We want to walk the narrow path through the sea that our Father has opened and paved for us through His Son, Jesus. We need to be aware of the times and seasons and to be ready like the master of the house for the coming of Messiah. This is one of the biggest reasons that God made these feasts and these seasons. So we will know that we will know the season. It says the days will be like the days of Noah. And to be honest, when I look around today, it doesn't seem like we're so far from the description of those days. It, many things seem worse. So we've learned this morning about the importance of, lear of learning and understanding one of God's main feasts. The Feast of Passover. We've learned the importance of understanding his feast and the relevance to our personal walk with him in the present. 
And we've learned the importance and the relevance to our future and our Father's plan of salvation for the world. So I would like to encourage you today, lift up your burdens to God this morning. Lift up the burdens. Lift up your burdens, your fears, your anxiety. Lift them up to Jesus. Lift up your weaknesses to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. You don't need to battle them yourself. You don't need to fight these things yourself. We serve a God who stretches his hand to the weakest people at the weakest point. In our weakness, we are made strong through him. Amen. Amen. So I pray, Lord, that you keep us alert at these times. Give us your wisdom to discern what, what's right and what's wrong in our communities, in our lives, in the things that we go through. Give us discernment in these times. I pray that you guide us through the narrow path of righteousness that you have paved for us by your grace and love. And by, by sacrificing your own son, Lord, we thank you for sacrificing your son to make this all possible, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for lifting all of our burdens and our sins away, Lord. Thank you for making the way. Thank you for sacrificing your, your son, your only son, to be the lamb who was slain for our sins, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are, you're lifting today the burdens off of our shoulders, Lord. Hallelujah. I just pray, Lord, that you make, you make us a light in our communities. Make us a light to the, to the people around us, to people that are, that, that, that are walking towards death, that need to meet some point of life, that we, are that, that we will be that candle, that, that light in their life that just shines at the right moment, Lord. I just pray that you use us in our communities, in our work, in our jobs, wherever we are. Just give us words of wisdom for people. Give us the right things to say to people. Give us, give us words of knowledge. Give us prophecies. Give us, give us just conviction. Convict us, Lord. Give us conviction about, about things that are maybe going wrong in our lives, Lord, that we need to give to you. Give us revelation about things in our lives that we need to give to you, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you, you, use, you use us, you use kingdom faith in a, in, a great, in a great and amazing way in this place, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done through this church, in this community, in, in the UK. Thank you, Lord, for everything. I pray for fruitfulness and for multiplication, Lord, for more fruit and for more people to come and know you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.